Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. This is The Chat. So happy you are with us today, and you're going to enjoy hearing from my guest in studio, who I'm looking forward to getting to know better and learn about what they do and how they do it. Bruce Bailey is the executive director of the Cookville Rescue Mission. Bruce, thank you, sir, for being here. Well, uh, Dwight, thank you for the invitation. I've heard a lot about you well, uh, since I've down. been in town. <laughs> you're, you're kind it's of a legend all, in this it's area. It's not all true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Really, I appreciate it. I'm having served on the board some years ago for a couple of years when, when Larry Self was in your yeah, position. Yeah. I'm a little bit familiar with the rescue mission, not I'm sure it's evolved and does more it now has, than, yes. uh, than than it did then. But uh, such a great work you do in town, and we want to talk about that too, and the people you serve and the difference you make. But I want our audience to get to know Bruce Bailey. Who's the man? Who right? is the man behind the mission? <laughs> yeah, and you know because it's it's you know there are, there are folks in their community who are out there making a difference every day, changing lives, helping people, making the community a better place to live, and particularly what you do. It's not only ministry, but it, it's a special niche of ministry. It is, it is really. You just can't get people off. The, I mean, pull somebody off the street and have them do what you do. So what yeah. I'd like for you to tell our audience is. You know how how did you how did you come to this? How did, is this your first stop in ministry? How did you come to do uh, back up as far as you care to go and uh, and take it from there? I'll take you all the way back to nineteen fifty two. Fifty two. Yes, sir. I was born in Duluth, Minnesota. Oh, uh, in the cold climate, and uh, people everywhere really pick up on my. I guess I have a northern accent when I say Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so um, my parents were in the Salvation Army. Oh, were they? And so I was born into that uh, ministry. And uh, about two weeks after we were born, um, we moved to Detroit, Michigan, because that's the nature of the Salvation Army. They move every three years or so. Um, we lived in Detroit. Of course, I don't remember this, but I was told we yeah. lived in Detroit for about a year and a half. And then we were transferred to Kansas City, Missouri. And in with King, the Salvation Army. With the Salvation Army. Now, my parents were divorced when I was about two years old, and uh, so that meant my dad had to leave the ministry. Um, and in the Salvation Army, my mother was able to continue. Uh, she got reinstated and uh, continued on as an officer in the Salvation Army. Um, she was assigned to what they call the Adult Rehabilitation Center in Kansas City, which is a place for at that time, it was only for men who uh, were struggling with uh, alcohol and some drug addiction back then. And so uh, as a youngster at about five years old, Dwight, uh, I would run around the place, the room where the men played pool because my mom worked there. She did bookkeeping or something. And uh, so, so you were I, learning how to play eight ball. <laughs> I couldn't reach the table, but, okay. but the, the men all kind of knew me as, uh, the, you know, the little guy who running around here and, uh, they were very kind to me. And I remember one of the men used to come, um, drive me and I have three older sisters. So I was the baby. I am the baby of the family. Um, and one of the men, uh, would come and pick us up uh, from our house and drive us to Sunday school. So that's how I got real acquainted with men at the rehabilitation center. They, I was kind of part of their family, and yeah. they were part of mine. Um, so um, life went on, and we moved around. I grew up virtually in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. Where in the world is that? <laughs> uh, so it's about 60 miles uh, a little southeast of Fargo, North Dakota, right on the western border of Minnesota. And uh, a lot of my growing up years spent there and. um 
Uh, then we moved around and ultimately, ultimately. And this is still with the Salvation Army? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, and uh, we ended up in Chicago. My mom was transferred there. So I went to um, uh, two years of high school in Chicago. I was there during the Martin Luther King riots. Were you? Yes. Um, so we, I could sit at my house and miles away see the smoke from the storefronts that were burning down on Madison Avenue. And How were you then, roughly? Uh, well, I would have been about uh 15, 16. A teenager, yeah. yeah, teenager. Um, so I remember coming, I went to Austin High School, and I remember the, the day uh, that the riots started coming out of high school and seeing thousands of kids out on the street. And so my buddies and I took the back way home because we didn't sure. want to get tangled up in yeah. whatever was going on. Um, and then as time went on, um, I went and spent a little time, lived with my dad for two years and got to know him because I really grew up without a dad. Um, so that was good. But at the end of high school, um, he moved away and I moved up to um, Minneapolis, Minnesota and started, I was set to go to broadcasting school of all really? places. Yes, sir. And uh, that didn't work out because I spent two years, Dwight, uh, sowing a lot of wild oats. And, Most of uh, us have. Yes, sir. And uh, regret that time, but it's part of who I am and what led me uh, where I am. So ultimately, I ended back in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, stayed with one of my sisters, slept on her couch. And um, at some point in there, my oldest sister sent me a book called As a Man Thinketh. And that's, you know, from the Old Testament. Yeah. And she wrote in that I'm book. I'm familiar with that book. You remember who wrote it? I don't remember. I, I think I, I still either. have it. Yeah, I think it's, it's years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a thin little book. Um, of course, the rest of the verse has a man thinking in his heart, so is he. <laughs> That's right. From the Bible, yeah. yeah. And she wrote in there, I believe 1974 is going to be your year. And that was what God used to touch my heart to save me. The book. The book. And her line, I believe 1974 is going to be your year. So I came out of those two years of wandering and sowing wild oats. And God put that on my heart, and I uh, moved to Kansas City and uh, finally got saved. I got saved. I knelt at my Uncle Bud's house in Independence, Missouri, knelt at the corner of his couch, and it was the typical— In 1974? Yes, sir. Wow. And I was waiting for lightning bolts, you know, praying, yeah. and God's going to change my life. What's, nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> You're just kind of disappointed. Yeah. Uh, but did you know you were different on the inside? I I didn't quite yet, okay. but three days later I did. Okay. Um, I went with my uncle to an Assembly of God church. They were having a revival. Uh, apparently that's where he went. And uh, Now, my Uncle Bud had been an alcoholic, and he was not drinking at the time. But this is the man that God used to lead me to the Lord. Um, uh, your Uncle Bud. My Uncle Bud. And um, so, you know, God can use anybody oh, in yeah. any way he chooses. Oh, yeah. And he used my Uncle Bud. We went to this church, and Dwight, I don't remember who was preaching, but I got wonderfully saved that night. In 1974? 1974, and God broke me to tears, and I saw the need in people's lives for God, and I saw the need in my own life that very night. I need Jesus. And so that was the night that it really became real to me. Wow, what a great—there's so many— Parts of that I'd love to unpack, and we'll start doing that in our next session. Okay. But thank yes. you so much, Bruce, for being here, we, and thank you for sharing that part with us. And sure. We want to move into, and obviously, just a little bit your work with the Cookville Rescue Mission and the great service that it does to our, for our community. And 
in uh, in uh, the entire region. And we are glad that you are with us today. We're going to continue with other segments with Bruce Bailey. He's the executive director of the Cooperville Rescue Mission. You stay with us. The chat continues in just a moment. It's the chat, and we're glad you're with us. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. My guest today is executive director of the Cookville Rescue Mission, Bruce Bailey. Bruce, what a story. Yes. What a story yes. about, you know, you growing up, uh, being involved, your parents, and then your mother with the Salvation Army, moving mm-hmm. from place to place, uh, God using a book called As a Man Thinketh, and then your Uncle Uncle Bud, Uncle you said, Bud, yeah. who, who had been an alcoholic yes. and actually significant in leading you to the Lord. And I like what you have to say about there is that God, God can you, I mean, God uses people, warts and all. Let, let's not restrict the Lord from what He wants <laughs> to do. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, and you know, if he if he only had perfect people to use, he would have anybody, <laughs> yeah, anybody to right. use. You know, and I I can't help but think there, and I want to f- reflect on this a little bit. I had a pastor Bruce say to me a few years ago something I'd never heard before, but as I've reflected on it as I get older, it makes so much sense. And the term is unconscious preparation. Oh, unconscious mm-hmm. preparation. And I look back on my life and say, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was being unconsciously prepared for this, and I was being. And of course, we serve an all-knowing God, yes, so I mean yes. that didn't surprise him. But I didn't know those experiences that I was having, good and bad. Yeah. Sometimes I made mistakes. Sometimes I, the, the bad uh, I could not control, but uh, sometimes I could make mistakes. But uh, but then, but I was being. I, do you feel like that? Somehow, your experience early on with the Salvation Army mm-hmm. was a part of unconscious preparation. Absolutely, for what and, and I love that phrase. I've never heard it before. Me, unconscious preparation. It makes a lot of sense because uh, Dwight, in my life, uh, there were a lot of times. Uh, for instance, I had a girlfriend in Hammond, Indiana, when I lived in Chicago on my own, and um, I would travel back and forth. And uh, one night, I remember traveling back to Chicago from her house and waking up. While driving on the highway, I fell asleep at the wheel oh, wow. and just in time to avoid hitting a bridge. Well, God was there in that for sure. me. God saved me from it. There were many other instances when my life could have been really down the toilet and God prevented that. And that was a lot of his unconscious yeah. or my unconscious preparation, <laughs> yeah. him, him in my life that, uh, and, and, you know, maybe he saved me for just a time as this, as it says in, um, Oh, what's the Bible book? It just went out of my head with uh, Esther. Yeah, Esther. I was trying to say Ruth. I think it wasn't Ruth. It is Esther. Esther yeah. yeah. Um, so I believe that God works in so many different ways, and he's so very, very patient with us and leads us to a point when we are able and ready to make a decision. And he gives, and you know, that's part of what the rescue mission does. And God bless Larry Self so many years ago for yeah. having that insight and that vision from the Lord to give people that chance to say, my life is messed up in so many ways and I can't control it, help me. And that's what the rescue mission does. Yeah, I want to pick it up. And by the way, Larry Self has sat in that chair where you're sitting now. Yeah, he's I heard the this, interviews. Yeah. He's been on the show and he's and he came here to, to pastor a church. Yeah. Yeah. And and sort of stumbled into the rescue mission, mm-hmm. you know, saw a guy and, and said, now, you, and who had gotten his, his life sort of straightened out. And he said, you keep walking this path. You encouraged him that way. And the Lord said to him, well, what are you going to do to help him do that? And out of that was the rescue mission starting on Cedar Street yeah. and growing to what yeah. it is from now. I want to come back to that day in 1974 in your yeah. life. And so you knew that you knew that you knew you were a new yeah. creature in Christ Jesus. Yeah. You'd become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You were different. You were born again. Um Take me down the road. What happened? When did when did you sense some sort of calling on your life 
to do the kinds of things you're doing now? It was right away, uh, Dwight. I felt like, well, what do I do now? I've got to do something because my life before that, you know, I was going to go to broadcasting school. That didn't work out. I, I, I failed in that direction, didn't pursue it. And now I begin to wonder, so everything is feeling different, new. And what is this new life all about? And, well, I went to the only place that I knew. I went to the Salvation Army and started attending church. That's where your background was. Um, and from there, very shortly, they, the pastor there, the Salvation Army officer, kind of um, directed me towards maybe I should go to the training school at the Salvation Army in Chicago, which is a two-year Bible school. And in the fall of uh, uh, 1974, that's what I did. Went okay. to the training school, went through two years. You felt the leading to do something. And and that was what I knew, so that's sure. where the Lord led me. Um, so, I, you know, I studied theology, studied social work, um, studied some business. Uh, didn't, didn't do too well at business back then, <laughs> but uh, studied all those things and actually prepared to be a Salvation Army officer. And uh, from there, I moved all around the upper Midwest. So I started out in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Uh, then I served in the inner city of Chicago, back on Madison Avenue. Remember I said yeah. I'd seen the Martin Luther King sure. riots? Well, I went back there and served there at Madison and Western Streets. There were Chicago Housing Authority high-rises, about 5,000 people in a one-mile radius living in those high-rises, and uh, served there. Um, used to pay, play basketball out on the street with uh, the men from the community, street guys from the community. One day there was a, a shot, somebody fired a gun, and I, I stopped and said, is that what I think it is? And they said, just keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. Yeah, that's a, just get wow. used to it. It was a shot. And yeah. so, so moved around a lot and um, ultimately uh, kind of came to my own sense of uh, spirituality in that you know, the, the Salvation Army does not baptize people. I got baptized in 2014 because I felt it was time, and I felt I ought to obey the scriptures and and, sure. and be baptized. And I'm not disparaging the Salvation Army because I was raised in that, but um, that is a a belief or a they have a doctrine that they believe you can fall away from Christ. And I, nobody could ever tell me, well, when's that going to happen? I mean, how bad do I have to get that he doesn't love me anymore? Yeah. And so my belief has changed a lot. So I believe I am secure in the Lord because of him. That's why they call it eternal life. Yes, it is. That's and, why they call and, it, you know, that's why they call yeah. it eternal. If you could have it one day, lose it the next, it yeah. wouldn't be eternal. Would yeah. It? So <laughs> I went into that ministry, but that's all I knew. But as I grew, I understood more and more about the scriptures when I did my own studies. And so uh, ultimately separated from the Salvation Army. And um, But you had you got you got trained there in the Bible. I got trained there in the uh, Bible. And you grew up in it, and it the, the experience serves you well in terms of what you're doing now. That's where I learned a lot of my business um techniques, uh, methods. Um, so they taught me well in that regard. So um, that's, I think, one of the reasons that the board of directors uh, liked my resume when I sent it in, because I had 30 plus years of ministry experience, wide variety of ministry all across, even though I was a northerner, they said, <laughs> we, we like you. <laughs> we like you anyway. <laughs> yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, ultimately, um, in I know we're getting short on this segment of time, but uh, I went out to the West Coast and served in a rescue mission there 
Oh, you did prior did, to coming prior here. Prior to coming here, okay. So, you, but a lot of your experience with it was with the Salvation Army, and then prior to coming to Cookville, you had some rescue mission experience. That's correct. Well, when we come back, I want to I want to learn more about Bruce how how you found Cookville, how Cookville okay. found you, mm-hmm. uh, how you continued the wonderful tradition that you started, as you mentioned a while ago, that Larry yourself had the vision four years ago yeah. and still is revered very highly yeah. in this community. And I look forward to having that conversation in just a moment. Yes, sir. Stay with us. The chat continues right here on News Talk 94.1. Bruce Bailey is my guest today on the chat, Executive Director of the Cookville Rescue Mission. Thank you for sharing your story with us, how yeah, you came to the Lord experience in, in the uh in the salvation armor growing up in that and then uh and then you moved from that to to the, to rescue mission work where now in salem oregon it's you, salem's the state capital i see uh and then how long you how long did you uh, were there we were there just a little over two years okay and um just quite frankly uh the west coast weather and the political climate didn't suit us. <laughs> uh, we lived about. I think a, I can understand both. <laughs> an hour south of Portland, and the theme of Portland from everybody was keep Portland weird. <laughs> and they managed to do that. They've done that very yeah. well. And we just, it just wasn't us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my wife had had kind of a word from the Lord before we went there, as we were going there. She said uh, she felt like the Lord said we were going to be there for about two years, and that's what happened. Then we just decided uh, this is not where. But that we was your need first experience with the rescue mission. With a rescue site. mission directly, uh, actually, I'd served as a, a, a fundraising consultant for rescue missions for a while. Yeah, and um, because it was a ministry, that's what prompted me to seek a rescue mission per se. Sure, because I, I'm into ministry. It's not, yeah, you know, not administration, but it's working with people and helping people. So we went to Salem, Oregon, and um, had an, an unique experiences there. It's, it's a it's a much different feel, the much different part of the country, yeah. and being a Midwestern boy. It was strange, just very strange. So the South here is a little more akin. I want, I want to welcome you to God's country. <laughs> now talk to me about how, okay, so you're there. How did you find Cookville? How did Cookville find you? Tell me that story. Well, as I say, we began to look around and we were praying about this, Lord, where are we going to go? And we even put our house on the market before we were settled to go somewhere. You do, you felt in your heart you're we, going we, somewhere. We were going to go. And, and fortunately, the marketing housing market was, was very good at that point. And because I had served as a consultant to rescue missions, I began to search there because it's a direct ministry to people. And, um, I, you know, I liked the work of the rescue ministry in Salem. I just didn't like the area. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I looked on Indeed.com and saw that the board of directors here had posted the position. And I thought, well, I've never been to Tennessee, but my wife had visited here with her mom. Her mom lives with us, and they'd tour here down in Franklin a few times. Yeah. And she always said, I wish I could live in Tennessee. So as a smart man that I am. (laughs) uh, (laughs) To keep mama happy. Yes, sir. Uh, I applied and then had a phone interview with the board. And then my wife came with me and we traveled here, did an in-person interview with the board. And they offered me the position. Wow. Yeah. And here you are. Here we are. From from Chicago to Portland and... Finally, you arrive where, where God is. No, no, can I, can no. I tell you something interesting sure. about my life? Yeah. Uh, when we were packing uh, to move, I felt uh, pretty heavy in my chest. I was out of breath, and I couldn't, I couldn't move the boxes. And I said, Linda, I don't know what's wrong, but I can't do this. So I went to the doctor, and there was 
a substitute doctor there that day, and she said, oh, you've just got some kind of a cold or virus. Well, we proceeded to move, and all the while, my heart rate was running at resting rate at about 150 beats a minute, Whew. resting. Wow. Uh, we came to town. I found a primary doctor, went in. Here and, in Cookville. Here in Cookville, and he gave me a physical, and he just happened to say, let's do an X-ray as well. And when he did that, uh, he found some things in my heart area. He said, I want you to go over to Tennessee Heart. And I went to Tennessee Heart, and they did an echo. And when they did the echo, it was that quick. They hauled me up to Dr. Lenhart's office <laughs> and Kim, wow. the uh, RN over there. Uh, all of a sudden, there were three RNs uh, putting you know straps on me and testing me. And I said, well, something's going on. Yeah. Well, they detected that I, I needed uh, a... Um, an ablation. So I went to Vanderbilt, had, a, had an ablation. Ultimately, this year, back in September, I had a four-way bypass surgery. Did you? And all that because some doctor said, let's just do an x-ray yeah. and check. And see, here again is the Lord's yeah, leading, because I didn't just, have any symptoms telling me you're going to have a heart attack. But something led him to say that. Yeah. Just, uh, oh, by the way, let's, oh, just, by do, the way. let's just do that. Just, yeah, yeah. wow, what a great story. Yeah, so testimony. Tennessee's been good to me. Yeah, really. <laughs> So you're here now. You're yeah. executive director of the Cookville Rescue Mission. Yeah. Got about three minutes left in the show. How are things with the mission? What's happening there? Uh, been up and down because of COVID last year. Yeah. We got hit four times with people coming in and not testing negative, and it impacted the staff, and we had to isolate everybody. And for a little while, we had to not take any new people in because we were infected. Uh, my wife and I were infected uh, back in January and had to take our own isolation period. We're, we're well now. Uh, so it's been up and down. Lately, doors have been opening, and we're seeing a resurgence of people, and we're taking more people in. We never stopped taking men in, but women, it was harder because our women's shelter is a little more restricted in space. But um, God has been good to us. Uh, fundraising was down a little bit last year because, you know, the bell ringing, but we didn't sure. do so well. But God has been making that up uh, with enormous uh, donations from very generous folks because they care about people. Um, one thing I want to say is um, if people read our Facebook, and I get a little pushback, Dwight, from people who think we're, we're I don't know, doing something wrong with homeless people. And I even talked to some men from First Baptist Church yesterday, they joined our team and they went out to visit homeless camps. And the men from First Baptist Church said they saw firsthand some of the stuff being told about the rescue mission is not true. Um, they went with us to one of the motels in town that is infamous for drug abuse. People are being housed there by with government money and they're drinking and drugging. Um, and we know those people, and we called them down to the group that was there, prayed with them, gave them some food. But we know that they're living unsupervised lives on the government dole in motel rooms. Um, and some of those people won't come to the rescue mission because Larry Self was so wise, and we've kept this up, to keep policies in place. You can't abuse drugs while you're here. You can't drink while you're here. We're here to help you recover and get off of all that mess and get your life straightened out. So wow. um, we're so proud of what we do, and and God is blessing us in so many ways and touching the lives of people. In the few seconds we have left, if folks want to know more about the rescue mission, to just to learn about it, to get involved financially, volunteer, right. any way they can help. How's the best way to access you? How can they reach you? Our phone number is 931-528-5819. 528-5819. Yes, sir. Or you can find us on Facebook, Cookville Rescue Mission on Facebook, or our website, cookvillerescuemission.org. 
A call is the best thing at 528-5819. People want to volunteer, want to find out more information. I'd love to give people tours to see what's going on. We have expanded on Larry Self's vision, so it's even broader from what he was able to start so many years ago. And uh, his reputation has helped us to build that up to what it is today. Bruce, thank you for coming. Yeah, thank my you pleasure. for being here. It's good to talk to you, good yes, to get sir. to know you better. And, of course, the Rescue Mission continues to and has done great work in our community for so yeah. many years. Yeah. And thank you for all that you do. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thanks. Executive Director of Cooper Rescue Mission, Bruce Bailey, has been with us today. So happy to have you along. Join us next week, same time, for The Chat. <laughs> 